0: I'm ready.
1: You're ready. Awesome. (laughs) Welcome to episode seven of The Developer Diaries. Let's talk a little bit more about the developer's job beyond the code. So now we're going to take a step away from coding and building projects and talk about what it's like being a developer in the industry. And what are, like, experiences that you have, skills that you have, and how you deal with those experiences, um, which is a very vague statement. We'll get into the specifics <laughs> now. Um, you have spoken about being someone that likes to build a lot of internal, like, developer cultures and, like, building internal full stack cultures. Can you explain what that means um, and mm-hmm. how you go about doing something like that or why you go about doing something like that?
0: Sure. I'll start with the why, and then I suppose we can move from there. Yeah. I I like being able to be efficient. It frustrates me when there's dumb stuff that gets in my way, whether that's uh, technical things that get in the way, like the software not being well-tested, so every time I make a change, I worry, or non-technical soft things that get in the way. Like the team doesn't understand the product well, doesn't prioritize well, and we keep switching priorities. That's frustrating. Um, So whenever I've been on a team, I've always cared probably way more about those types of areas of enabling developers, of enabling myself, than the real product work that we're working on. And I don't know, I've always kind of tried to get on those tasks, like the fix the lint or, you know, fix the team RFC process stuff rather than like the real product work. Mm
1: -hmm. What is internal full stack culture?
0: I have no idea. What, what is internal full stack culture?
1: That's a statement that you made.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think what I meant was um, every, every time I've been on, a, on like a full stack team, like a team that encompasses the front, middle, and back of the app, there have been culture things that are specific to, to the front end, like how do you unit test React code, as an example. And there have been things that are specific to the backend, like say, how do you unit test your Ruby on Rails code? And then there's stuff that spans those two areas, like the RFC process um, or on-call duties. And to me, I've cared always about the front-end stuff and the full-stack stuff. Maybe less about the server stuff, but if I'm working in the server, I will start to care about it. Um, so yeah, I think I care deeply about whatever I'm touching and my ability to be effective and for the people around me to be effective in what they want to do
1: yeah that makes sense and i think that that's sort of like something that's sort of invisible right like people don't expect you to do something like that there's no um like metric that helps you determine whether you're being successful in implementing that or whether you're making it a better place but You can tell that there is a difference in terms of the vibe in terms of the way that people feel and talk about the culture and everything. Um, Do you think that that's a responsibility for everyone to have or is that a responsibility that only people that have a lot of experience have.
0: Neither. I think everyone should be empowered to work on that stuff if they want, but I don't want to force people to work on that because it's not for everyone. I think one of the critical flaws in virtually every team I've been on or interacted is that they've had a hard time being able to prioritize both the real product work, the stuff that makes the money and the stuff that enables the developers. Most teams go too far one way or the other. Not everyone goes too far the product area, just most. So I don't know, a team needs people to work on that. A team needs people to work on products or rather an organization needs teams to work on both at the larger scale. But I certainly don't think that you have to be super senior to work on whatever internal developer enablements. I think that's something you definitely want a range of experiences working on.
1: Yeah. And there's an aspect of this that's more about like sharing your experiences and sharing your knowledge with the team, um, which is... Undervalued in terms of if you're talking about the code, obviously that's valued, that's important. But if you're talking about like that cultural aspect of it, I feel like maybe there aren't as many opportunities in companies to have those conversations. How do you encourage people to do that? Um, and how do you create an environment in a team where that's not just access, uh, acceptable, but something that people actively want to do? They want to share that knowledge and their experiences.
0: Hmm. Another really good meaty thing you could have an entire podcast series about, let alone, you know, just that one little episode. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is people do what they're motivated to do. I do things because I care. And I've always been willing, mostly, to perhaps take a suboptimal career path in order to work on the stuff I care more about. And due in part to my extreme jubilance and privilege, that's always worked out for me. But- In general, if you tell someone that I will only give you a career recognition, let's say like a performance raise or review positivity thing for the work you do on the product, they're strongly disincentivized from working on stuff other than that, such as dev enablement. So getting a team to positively reward people in whatever way is important to that team, whether it's career trajectory or public recognition or whatnot, that's that's a really big, important first step for getting people to not just care about, but also work on things that make them better.
1: Yeah. And then there's also aspects of how you grow as a developer or as a person at a company? I know there's a lot of companies or like larger spaces where they encourage you to do things outside of the job. So go and do volunteering efforts or go and um, participate in social activities or hobbies or things, and they'll have benefits that support that, right? Um, How is that important? How is that impactful to the way that you contribute to your actual
0: job and team? Well, companies will do that because they're motivated to so why would a company be incentivized to let someone do stuff even on company time especially that isn't the core product it's because either the company wants to attract more talent and that's a way to make people talk more glowingly about the company and or it's because the company has recognized that doing so improves the person's ability to work you go to conference you learn things from conference speaker you bring back those things and the networking connections you made
1: that's true. And then from like a more personal level, as the person who gets to do the volunteering, who gets to do those extracurricular activities, how does that impact you? Why do you go about doing those things?
0: Oh, that is the question you actually asked, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love the answer that you gave too, though. I think that was really important.
0: Thanks. On the personal <laughs> level, yeah, I mean, it's very easy as a developer to stop learning new things outside of your team and just keep doing the same thing. But our industry moves really quickly. For example, there are still teams out there writing React class components, even though React hooks have become the preferred recommended way of writing React for a few years now. So you don't want to stop people from learning. You want to enable them to keep learning the new stuff and bring in their best practices stuff to the team, which is a a point of personal growth that I've always been really proud of for me, that I personally learn a lot from the people and communities around me that I can then take back to work and be a better developer as a result of. Nice.
1: I know you're in open source, but I don't actually know how you got into it. Was that something that you did on the side or was that part of your job?
0: It was almost always something on the side that I yeah. sometimes then managed to shoehorn into work. The <laughs> the, first, the first open source project I did was Full Screen Mario. Didn't know what I was doing. Didn't really build a community around it or anything. Eventually, I started working on shared open source things around TSLint, which was the TypeScript linter, uh, before... The, the current times, TSLint is dead. People should stop using it. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of slowly became more and more of a thing there, became a TSLint maintainer, and now I'm a TypeScript TSLint maintainer, which is the right way to lint to TypeScript code.
1: Do you have any advice on people who are trying to understand what open source is, why it's important, how to get involved in it?
0: Yeah. Um, first I'll answer why open source is important. It's important because it's everywhere. Almost all the tools you use are probably open source. Even if you're in a more corporate oriented stack, like the traditional .NET stacks were Microsoft oriented, all that stuff's open source now. So if you want to learn the best way to do things like React, Rails, .NET, Django, whatever, that's all open source software. And the effective, most effective way to work in those communities is to learn from the GitHub and the Discord and et cetera communities that are building those things.
1: Yeah. What are your favorite projects? Ooh. That you've uh, TypeScript,
0: to. Mm-hmm. yeah, TypeScript of course. That's that's yeah. a big one. I love contributing to TypeScript. I don't do it as much as I want to for time, yeah. but I really like it. Um, TypeScript as lint, of course, because I'm on it and I think it's fascinating. I got this this one project, uh, Emoji Explosion, that I've been excited about off and on for a long time. It's this little utility that blasts fireworks of emoji on the page, and it's super configurable.
1: That's so cute. That's, <laughs> it's so cute. Who should do open source and who shouldn't do open source? Is there anything is there anything that sh- would prevent someone from enjoying that experience?
0: Hmm. The biggest downside I've experienced and have heard other people mention from open source is that you're doing things in public. If you don't feel comfortable having your stuff out in the world, well, you that might be something you can overcome and a shocking number of people have overcome that. But if it's just truly abhorrent to you, you don't, I mean, you don't have to, it, it, it can be a blocker for you if, if needed. Um, I will say that open source is one of the many good things you can do to level yourself up as a developer. And all of those very good things are optional. You don't have to do any particular one or all of them.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Let's, change tracks into dealing with company culture again and talking a little bit about dealing with maybe like bad management and those experiences because i think they can be very common and it's a learning experience i feel like the more of those experiences you have the better you get at dealing with them but when when you first deal with it you're sort of like what is wrong with me like what You know, like, am I the problem? Am I causing everyone to waste their time? Are they mad at me because I did something wrong? Um, Or if you know that you're not wrong and someone else is the problem, it can be really hard to, like, approach the person and deal with it, right? HR isn't always on your side. They're on the company's side. So that's not always an option for people. Um, So any experiences, thoughts, advice on that?
0: Oh, yeah. So much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start by saying I think ideally someone should start with a great manager and at some point it's also useful to experience a good manager a mediocre manager and a bad manager
1: yeah. I'm not
0: saying one should experience a bad manager for obvious reasons but it is a useful thing to go through because you can definitely spot the bad behaviors so you can recognize them elsewhere and also better appreciate the good behaviors in your great manager that you hopefully had when you needed them most yeah yeah um I'm going to try to be very careful here to anonymize uh, and obfuscate. So the things I'll say, they're not true. They're close to true, but far enough that I don't want someone to point back to a specific person or company. I had a manager um, assign faults for something that was out of my control. I had gone on a trip to deal with some family stuff and had to pass the baton, so to speak, give, give a set of tasks to someone else last minute, unexpectedly in a way that almost ruined a, an important demo. And um, when I got back, I was told that they had resisted the urge to, the temptation to put like one of the, like, this is a bad thing X's on my performance review coming up. Um, at the time I was I was upset about this and not focusing on it, so I didn't think too deeply. I was just like, this is annoying, and then moved on. But I think that was a pretty bad management smell. Um, One of the key mistakes some managers make is they assign blame for situations where there is no direct responsibility. This was stuff out of both of our control hands, and I still got blamed. Um, I think that comes from perhaps two things one is a desire to be action oriented you you spot a problem go fix it tell someone they need to do better whatever and it's because managers everyone is incentivized to point fingers when something goes wrong like you want yeah. to be able to make a scapegoat that's just good for you in career so a sign of a good manager is someone who can defend another person instead of making scapegoats and but that can be hard to do it's really tempting to just say no they screwed up I'll talk to them
1: yeah I think it's very interesting, the approach that they took to not put it, but make a point to tell you that they didn't put it. It's almost like, see, I'm a good manager because I could have screwed you over, but I chose not to. Um, Yeah. I think that behavior can be very telling, right?
0: Yeah. That in particular (laughs) irritates me to this day because they were wily and smart politically capable enough of a manager to do these machinations of like currying favor with me by not reporting or whatever but not backbone enough to stand up for me i don't know yeah it's also yeah. this is a while ago it's entirely possible that i misinterpreted um and they're listening to this going what the heck i did so much better that's impossible or that is a possibility but that's how i interpreted so, you know, right, And
1: we're know, also we- not trying to make like a broad blanket statement that that person was bad, right? This is about like specific instances, which I think when it comes to yeah. not just management, but with like working with anyone and friendships and everything, right? Like you can have an incredible experience with a manager or a friend or a coworker, but there can still be instances where they did something that was not okay. And it's good yeah. to talk about it so that when we end up in situations like that in the future, we know – you know, now I know that if I'm ever a manager to someone, that's (laughs) not an okay way to deal with the situation. Um, And sometimes when you are that manager in that situation, they probably think that they were doing the right thing, right? In their mind, they were like, I am protecting my, you know, direct report. I'm making sure that no one else is going to blame them and no one else is going to get on their um, head about what happened. But I need to set the record straight that they were wrong and that they messed up. Then that's where the point that you mentioned comes in place, where sometimes there are situations where no one is wrong. And that's yeah. hard, especially in tech, where you need to have how can we improve things conversations, right? If this were, were to happen again, what would we change? Um, but sometimes Absolutely. there isn't an answer to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's one of the really tricky things about management is that you everyone learns the hard way at some point in time. Everything you do, you're gonna make mistakes and then get better at. But when you're becoming a manager, the mistakes you make impact real people. There's there's no way around that. You're gonna screw up. Like your manager will screw up, you will experience that. What if and when you become a manager, you'll screw up and other people experience it. Yeah. That sucks. You know? Yeah. So it's important to have, if possible, you know, some empathy for your manager consider maybe this is a screw up on their part, not a core moral flaw. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't.
1: Yeah, and empathy is, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's such a big thing too, right? And it goes both ways, right? The manager needs to have empathy for the people that are reporting to them and then the people reporting also need to have empathy back. It's sort of like the conversation of layoffs where there's like layoffs happening all the time. Mm. And I'm a very emotional person. So when these (laughs) things happen, I'm just sort of like, oh, my God, like what is the company doing? They're so mean. But then like I had it explained to me very recently that, you know what, like the people that are in charge that you think are the bad guys that are doing making these decisions, they're doing it because the business needs to survive. And that means that the people that are working also need to maintain their jobs, right? You need to have your job. Your friends that are working at all these other companies that are having layoffs still have their jobs because of the situation. So there's always that aspect of sometimes people make decisions that are really hurtful and painful. um, And it's okay to acknowledge that it is bad, but also it might just be what's needed in that situation. Um, It's complicated. These things are very complex. Um. Going back. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I like to tell people, don't assume until you have, or just don't assume. I mean, if you have evidence pointing towards something, make an educated, informed guess. Don't assume positive intent. Don't assume negative intent. Um, If someone is being like a piece of crap to you, or racist, generally rude, whatever, then yeah, you have evidence that you can act on. But if, if there's, let's say, like a layoff or like a really rude managerial discussion, at the very least, talk to them to understand their perspective, if possible, if it's reasonable to do so. You never know. I think a mistake I made in the situation I brought up earlier is I never discussed with my manager, hey, I feel hurt and disrespected in this way because out of my control, et cetera. And who knows? Maybe they would have explained to me, you know, why they made the decision or admitted fault or whatever. We'll never know.
1: Yeah. Most important part about this conversation is that like you're able to reflect on this and hopefully anyone who's listening is who's in this situation is able to reflect on that situation. Um, and then even if it didn't go well the first time, you know how to deal with it better the next time because um, these problems will keep arising, right? As long as we're not robots and as long as we're people <laughs> and we're humans with feelings and um, different motivations, things like this will always happen. Yeah. Um, awesome. overall, just like any other experiences that you want to talk about, any other lessons that you've learned that you wanted to share about management or working with coworkers?
0: Yeah, I don't like to give negative shout outs, but I love positive shout outs. Kip Price uh, is one of the best, probably the best manager I've ever had. Um, yeah, definitely the best manager I've had. Uh, Kip is awesome. Uh, was my manager for Wiley Code Academy. One of the things that Kip did a really good job with me. Uh, was helping me understand what to prioritize uh, personal growth and effort on to get a promotion. And of course, in general, to make myself a better employee, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I was senior, wanted to get to staff. I felt like I deserved staff compensation for the amount of work I was doing and all these intangibles like team culture. Uh, Kip walked me through the kind of process for understanding, based on the core competencies that were judged on, uh, how do the competencies reflect uh, in my performance review and like, what am I doing for each of them? And we saw that I was investing a lot of effort in some of the things like core software and design, community and citizenship, and not so much in others like execution and results. So uh, just as a manager, getting your reports, understanding what they should work on most effectively, and perhaps even spend less time on because it's redundant. And then being able to advocate for them to do those things that they're not as good at is surprisingly difficult because you're advocating for them to do a worse job, but also really beneficial medium to long-term for your reports. And I'm glad that Kip was able to do that with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there, but overall the statement that you made about just like being a manager, you're prioritizing the growth of the person that's working with you, that's in your team um, and helping them figure out what to prioritize and what to focus on and guiding them in that direction is really valuable as well. Um, And yeah, just in closing this episode, is there any advice that you want to share with people that are just trying to become good developers beyond the code, beyond the technical skills, more on the social skills or the interpersonal side? Hmm.
0: Hmm. Get involved with whatever community exists in and out of work and bring back the learnings to your day-to-day. That will give you exposure to people who are very good at this stuff. And then also lets you show tangibly to your team that you're getting benefit from it. Like you're you know taking lessons back, et cetera. Um, I think it's easy, it's hardest to grow in a new area if you don't work with other people who can help you in that.
1: Yeah, all right. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining the Developer Diaries and I'll see you for a bonus episode next time.